0: you're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. The most expensive home in America defaults on 165 million dollars in debt and heads for a receivership sale. Now, what made it the most expensive home in the United States and why did the builder developer on this project? Why did he default? on $165 million in debt. That's what we're talking about today. This is crucial stuff. We got to know. Before we jump on in, if you're new here, thanks for joining. My name is Sean Reynolds. I own a couple of real estate companies, and I read the news from a business perspective, from a real estate guy's perspective. All right, let's do this. This is a good one. Most of expensive home in America. Mm. You know what, before I hit the main article, I'm going to read one that I came up with that came out last, last uh, January, January 2020. And it was updated June of 2021. And it's got some interesting details that kind of kind of fills in the picture here of how we ended up in default. So America's most expensive home, and this is from the Daily Mail, I mean, they wouldn't steer us wrong, would they? America's most expensive home is ready for sale. Developer prepared, prepares to list the five hundred million dollar mansion, complete with nightclub, twenty bedrooms, and hot yoga room. But the jellyfish tank walls—those have been ditched. You know what jellyfish tank walls are? It's like a—it's like a—you know, you got a fish tank, well instead you got tanks lining the the room, and they've got jellyfish in them, and. It's kind of dark and you just watch the jellyfish kind of roam around, very peaceful, if that's your thing. An entire room filled with jellyfish that you just sit in there and maybe, maybe have a chat with your friend. You know, maybe drink some tea. I don't know. I don't have a jellyfish room, nor do I want that in my house, I don't think. What kind of specialists work on jellyfish? I don't really know. A mansion developer claims he's ready to test the market with his $500 million Bel Air Super Pat seven years after building began. Mm, seven years. That's a long time. But if you see this house, I mean, if you see some of the drone shots, this looks like it almost looks like a mini, it looks like a commercial building. And it looks like uh, if you had a small little airport on top of a mountain, that's kind of the feeling you get here. This is Bel Air, just these amazing views back over the city of LA. What would be America's most expensive home is to hit the market for a cool half a billion dollars complete with a nightclub, a beauty salon, 20 bedrooms, and sweeping views of LA and the Pacific Ocean. The mansion dubbed the one and developed by former film producer, Niall Niami. All right, he's a former film producer. That skill set I'm going to throw out there probably doesn't correlate to spec real estate construction. And that's what we're dealing with here, right? And you're dealing with one of the probably arguably most over improved properties in the world. There's only a handful of buyers, you got to get it Right. And it's, I mean, what makes something worth half a billion dollars? It's just, it's so, you know, it, there's no reason for something to be worth 500 versus 300. It's just somebody walks in and goes, "Ah, I really like this. I have way too much money. How much? Half a billion? Oh, okay. You got anything else? I'll take it. Um, you know, that's, that's how that goes. Literally, it it isn't about, well, I'm going to have to check with my real estate broker, maybe I'll get an appraisal on this thing. And we'll see if it's worth it, because there aren't any other homes that are like it. And there's certainly not a comp down the street. This is not a residential spec neighborhood, where you've got cookie cutter designs of homes just lining up and down the road, right? So this, it's built by a former uh, film producer. All right, that kind of gives me a clue there. It sits atop a hill in the affluent Los Angeles neighborhood of Bel Air. How about the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? That was a show. That was uh, with DJ Jazzy Jeff. Oh, Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff. Those guys, those guys hit it hard. That's some good stuff. And so at at the point in time of this article, it was expected to be ready for sale soon the 100,000 square foot house 100,000 square foot house that is large the largest home i ever appraised in my career i think it was right around 16,000 i think it took me 2 hours just to do the inspection walking through noting that it had you know this room taking a photo taking a photo of this room it took me a couple hours just to get through take photos be able to say that i you know was physically there and inspected the entire property It had a gas pump for some equipment and the lender wouldn't lend on it because it had a gas pump. There could have been, you know, contamination from the gas pump or the gas tank in the ground. It was just kind of a nightmare deal. 100,000 square foot house has a number of perks, including, all right, we talked about the nightclub, uh, just a bunch of stuff. And we'll get into that. Uh, An earlier plan was to line one of the bedrooms with jellyfish in tanks, but Niami and his team gave up on the underwater theme, saying it was too much of a task, all right, as I'm looking at a photo i mean it is it you know it's stucco uh flat top roofs, massive windows, just some crazy irregular shape, lots of kind of blending walls and and roof lines, and you know just just a lot of stuff. It looks like it's got some guest houses, which are probably absolute mansions in and of themselves, huge views. Oh, we've got a bowling alley. I mean, no five hundred million dollar home can be complete without a bowling alley. Does anybody ever really bowl, or is that just something you do for fun, like once with your friends? And hey, you want to go bowling? Yes, I do. I mean, maybe you're maybe you're into you know bowling bowling league, and you're a really good bowler. I don't think people who buy these homes, I, I don't think they do a lot of bowling. Yeah, I'm really working on my bowling game today. I just don't see that as a reality. Oh, it's got a movie theater also. It's got a 45 seat IMAX movie theater and between four and seven swimming pools, depending on one's definition of swimming pool, five elevators and a beauty salon. All right. Swimming pools. Yep. That's cool. Five elevators. All right. Yeah. Okay. You get older and you got to be able to get up and down those stairs. You know what? This isn't a retirement home, right? This is... Ah, I don't, I don't want to go up the steps. That's too much work. I already did my two hour training session with the trainer. So I'm going to take the elevator if you don't mind and a beauty salon. All right. Do you really need a beauty salon in your own home? Maybe you do. I don't know. That's not something that I've ever really considered. You know, my life isn't complete without a beauty salon. I've never said that to myself. Other perks, per a previous report on its construction by Cater's news agency, include a 30-car parking garage, 45-seat IMAX movie theater. All right. So you got a 30-car parking garage for all your cars. That just sounds like a nightmare. Hey, can you can you put some air in car number 18 down? No, that's 17, 18. It needs air in the front right tire. What a nightmare just keeping track of all this stuff. And those are not cheap cars, right? According to experts, the vast array of specifications and amenities tacked onto the home could alienate buyers in the notoriously small market of Los Angeles real estate. It's got too much stuff. What they're saying is that this is a super over, over improvement. It's a, you know, super adequate functional obsolescence is the real estate term. Um, And it could alienate buyers, they just they don't want that much stuff. 45 seat movie theater. Okay, 50. No go hard. No go. 30 car parking garage. mm, That might be that's not enough. I've got 10 Ferraris, 16 Lamborghinis, McLaren, I've got, you know, no wonder this thing's back on the market. or It's going to go back on the market. This is ridiculous. Niami, however, disagrees and claims the special features are helping to draw buyers who he is currently in conversation with. How did that go, given the title that I just read earlier? How how, how is this process going? Something went sideways, right? Despite making prospective allowances for delays and financial setbacks, Niami said he's almost ready to open the doors of the deluxe crib for viewings. He was so close and yet, hmm, defaulted on 165 large. <sighs> not good, not good. Rejecting claims that he is overinflating the price to get attention for the luxury listing, the ex-film producer turned property developer said he will not budge. I am not coming off five hundred million. It's a hard price. If you want to throw me a lowball offer, you can, but we're not reading. We're not negotiating. We're not even going to counter. Five hundred large or nothing. Take it or leave it. That's what we're doing. And that's not what we're doing, as this property has gone back to the receivership. When you have something that's as rare as the Mona Lisa, you can command whatever you want for it, he told Bloomberg. That is absolutely true. You can ask whatever you want. Here's the thing the market might not agree with you. And in this case, that is what happened. When the house was started, I had no basis to ask $500 million nor do you have any basis now to ask $500 million. But that's a small detail. We'll, 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 we'll just table that for now. Now there are so many triple digit sales in LA and the world that the asking price, it's not unreasonable anymore. $500 million for a house. That's unreasonable. I'm just I'm going to lay that out there. That's unreasonable. 50 million bucks for a house. Crazy. You know, work it on down. Five million bucks. Do you really need a house that's five million bucks? No. Houses don't make you happy. They, people think they do. And I've seen a lot of people who are like, ah, I thought this was going to be the greatest house ever. I just want to sell this thing. I don't need anything this big because you got to maintain it or you got to pay to have somebody else maintain it more likely. The bigger it is, the more complex it is. I mean, I see people, you know, in the retirement years literally chasing after maintaining this mansion that they built that their kids no longer live in that has all these systems that are so complicated and so expensive that you know a normal homeowner can't run them they don't have the skill set they don't have the tools they don't want to it's way and above their skill set but at the time when they put it in they thought it was just the coolest thing ever that's what this house would be this house would be one contractor after another coming through on the daily fixing something that's broken The master suite in the one that's that's the name again, um, by itself is larger than most New York City apartments and comes complete with its own pool, kitchen and office. Master suite. I mean, you've got to have a pool, pool. Okay, I get that you got your own private master pool, maybe with an infinity, infinity pool, you know, looking out to the views. That's cool. Got to have your own kitchen. That would be a no go for me because then I would just end up eating more. All right, you know, that late night snack that, you know, you think, Do I want to walk back to the kitchen? It's like 30 feet that way. Maybe it's 25. I don't know. Do I want to walk that way or do I just keep watching TV? Well, if I had a full-on kitchen in my master bedroom, mm, uh, that's not good. Uh, That wouldn't work out. I would just be fat. And an office. I don't want an office in my master bedroom. I want an office on the other side of the house. Because work, life, I don't know. I'm more into the work-life balance. When I leave my office, I don't want to think about work anymore. I want to go do cool stuff. Whatever that, whatever ridiculous stuff I want to do, it's, it's on my time. You know what I mean? The home is spread over multiple different buildings. The main house will have 13 of the 20 bedrooms. The New York Times reported in 2017. Neighbors include friend superstar Jennifer Aniston and technology guru Elon Musk. All right, I want to live in between those two guys. Jennifer Aniston, yeah, I get that. Elon Musk, he sold everything and he lives in a tiny little, um, uh, a little tiny home. I don't think he lives here anymore. He doesn't, Jennifer Aniston, uh, she, she's hanging out with Brad Pitt again, I think, right? Am I right? I can't remember. I can't keep up with those folks. They're just movie, movie stars and jet setters. All right. So the grounds are cool. It's a cool looking house if you're into modern architecture, um, and the lawn spans 20,000 feet, it's so almost a half an acre. Yeah, makes sense. And it's uh, artificial in order to comply with the state's drought laws. There's that. It is, of course, remains to be seen whether the property can actually sell for its asking price. Real estate experts have scoffed at the $500 million price tag. All right, I would have scoffed too. But you know, some of these properties, you're like, somebody bought that? That's insane. That's the kind of real estate market we've been through. It's one of those that that makes no sense, and yet you're just kind of like, um, we had a sixty million dollar parcel get purchased here in in West Bellevue. We've got another one on the market, you know, thirty million. That's as that's as high as we get here in the Pacific Northwest. People will pay big money for boats here, big massive boats, but houses oh, we're just. Here in the Pacific Northwest, it's not one of these things where you have a $500 million price tag for a house. We just don't have the kind of people here to that they would, they would purchase a home like that. It's just even with Bill Gates and a bunch of these billionaires, some of the world's wealthiest people, they kind of hunker down. If you've ever seen Bill Gates' house on uh, Evergreen Point in uh, West Bellevue, you can't see it. It's built into a hillside. It goes from one street down to the other and looks in massive lake Lake frontage area on Lake Washington, you wouldn't even know it's there because it's, it's all forested and got trees and, you know, it's super private. People in the Pacific Northwest, they, you know, they want to hug their trees and and live in that environment uh, in, uh, in in their homes if, if they're going to have a big one. Paul Allen did the same thing over on Mercer Island. Um, he had a big, huge compound and. Yeah, it was pretty private. You wouldn't even know it. You, you roll up on it if you're looking for comps for something else for another appraisal, and you oh yeah, that's that's Paul Allen's house. Weird. There he is. Niemi told the New York Times that he imagines the eventual buyer will own multiple other properties and likely only stay in the home a few times per year. But during those few times per year, and I'm making this up, during those few times per year, they will need twenty bedrooms. They will they will need. Nobody ever, super rich, elite folks, they don't have others stay over. It's, we're not having a slumber party. We're not doing that. Those people get helicoptered out back to their wherever, their villa, wherever, their, you know, penthouse condo, wherever. They're not typically hanging out. Unless they're just too too ripped to, to make it home. But you, you've got a chauffeur at that point. Or, you know, even if you want to go super pedestrian, you can always get an Uber home and not have to deal with, hey, there's no towels in here. And we just ran out of toilet paper, because it's 100,000 square feet. And to find the right person within this building, I mean, that's going to take some work. And at 11 o'clock at night, do you want to be, hey, uh," nightmare, right? (laughs) The whole thing is just It's silly, and that's why we're reading about it, because it's entertaining. He added, and we're talking about Niami, he added that he is developing a third property, which as yet does not have a name, but will have jellyfish aquariums in addition to a gold giraffe sculpture. Well, that's really going to make it sell. Gold giraffe sculpture. So many times over my career as an appraiser, people will tell me, and this marble on the counter came from this quarry in this certain region. In Italy. And I'll be like, okay, I know that, you know that. Typical purchaser does not care. They just know it looks kind of cool, but they don't know you spent hundred grand on that, nor is it really all that relevant. Right? It's just not. But somebody thinks their cool gold giraffe sculpture, it's gonna get them something. My house has a gold giraffe sculpture. What has yours got? It's nuts, right? I mean, his property portfolio includes an $18 million house sold to Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss. All right, 18 millions. I'll get behind that. That's a spec home. That's not crazy for LA, especially Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss. Did they both buy it? They're brothers. They're twins. And they are the entrepreneur twin brothers who sued Facebook. They were in the social network, right? To help finish construction of the one, Niami obtained an eighty-two and a half million dollar loan and has a repayment deadline for October, according to Bloomberg. Hmm, they're it's gonna throw out just that that little zinger there. Hey, he had to borrow $82.5 million. Now, I've got this spec home. It's half a billion dollars. Probably the most expensive home in the world. I think it'll sell. Will you will you lend me eighty two and a half million dollars? I need to finish it out. I mean, we've got some windows we got to work on, some floor surfaces. The you know we're still considering whether we do the goldfish room, not the goldfish, the uh, jellyfish, goldfish. Now, goldfish room, I would be down with that. Now that that would be something else. The one with a speculated asking price of five hundred million dollars costs nearly four times more than the most expensive house ever sold in America. Hmm, all right. That should tell you something right there, right? A home in New York State's Hamptons that sold for $137 million in 2014. That is when you know you've got too much money and you are just literally, well, I can't take it with me. I'll buy that house. The home is just one of a portfolio of super cribs the developer is touting for a slightly more reasonable price of $85 million one might fancy a house called Opus. That's a twenty-one thousand square foot Beverly Hills home, which comes with a complimentary twelve million dollars worth of Lamborghini and Rolls Royce vehicles. Do you want? Do you want to keep the Rolls and the and the and the Lambos? You you don't. Well, uh, all right. Let's let's just throw them in the. Let's just throw them in the 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 home price, and we'll hope somebody takes them and. That whole little thing about personal property being involved with the purchase of the real estate. Yeah, we'll let the attorneys work that out. We'll let that figure out. There's also an unnamed house that has a gold giraffe and a hot yoga room. Complimentary items in the $85 million Opus home. Meanwhile, include a Lamborghini and a cellar stocked with dozens of bottles of Cristal champagne. Huh, I hope so. $85 million? You could buy a lot of champagne for that. All right, let's get to the meats and potatoes. So that was the buildup. That's where we sat as of last, like June, not that many months ago, right? That article had been updated. It was originally written in January of 2020. Now on to September the 8th, yesterday, most expensive home in America defaults on $165 million in debt, and it heads for a sale. Mm, Not good, not good. A Los Angeles mega mansion once expected to list, and see, we've changed. We have changed, once expected to list for $500 million, has gone into receivership. After the owner defaulted on more than $165 million in loans and debt, according to court filings, the 105,000 square foot Bel Air estate, known as the One, was placed into receivership by the Los Angeles County Superior Court and is expected to be relisted at a lower price in the coming months, according to people familiar with the property. The receivership marks a stunning reversal for the one and its flashy developer, Niall Niami, who often touted the property as his life mission and the biggest, most expensive home in the urban world. All right. It's probably the biggest and most expensive home in the suburban world. And it's also the biggest, most expensive home in the rural world as well. I mean, I think that needs to be pointed out. It's just it's so ridiculously overpriced. It's so overbuilt. Nobody really wants it. If you have that kind of money, you're going to build your own custom home. That's what you're going to do. It's crazy how we will see homes here in the Seattle market, not that old, get torn down. Because the owner, the buyer has a ton of money, and they can tear down a perfectly good home. They want to make their own home and they've got the money to do it. If you've got $500 million, you're probably not going to buy somebody else's life mission or want to take ownership of the biggest, most expensive home in the urban world built by a former film executive. No, you're not going to do that. You're going to bring your own crew and you're going to build your own house, right? I mean, that's just how it is. But, um, you know, sometimes you'll hit a home run and sell something for, what we say? 125, oh, these numbers are just nuts, aren't they? Expected to hit the market in 2017 with a price tag of 500 million. All right, so that right there tells me this thing has been teetering for quite a few years, probably since 2017. It was close enough to be finished out. They're talking about it being done with a price tag of 500 million. But now we're getting down to it. And it's like, all right, I need to borrow some more money. This thing is way over budget. That is how this goes. Can't tell you how many times in my career I've been called out a second time to do an appraisal. Hey, Sean, uh, we went a little over budget on this home. We need you to come out and See if you can squeeze out any more value because we need to borrow some more money. And the lender said the house has to be worth more if we're going to borrow more. So could you come on out and just tell us what it is? And they will have spent, you know, 100, 200, 300 grand on just, you know, upgrading the driveway, upgrading the lighting, upgrading the electrical system, stuff that doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily get you a big bang for your buck. It's like you've already got the square footage bedroom bath count. That's all the same now you just upgraded the infrastructure. Nobody really cares. You wanted that upgraded lighting. You had spec lighting in there before, whatever spec lighting is for a custom home, and you upgraded it. Sorry, that money isn't going to come back to you in the form of return. All right, probably have some pissed off builders tell me, oh, but but, but that one buyer might be out. There. Well, the one buyer wasn't out there for the one, were they? Mm, No. So expected to hit the market in 2017 with a price tag of 500 million. The one has been dogged by repeated delays, funding problems, and changing strategies. Imagine what those changing strategies are. All right, we're gonna make this look like uh, Ralph Anderson prototype in 2021. Nope, we want we want the Adobe look we want it to you know, now nah, we want the Bel Air look, we want the Bel Air with big views look. I mean, it, it, it's like, really? So repeated delays, funding problems and changing strategies. Not shocking, is it? The home stretches like an ultra modern palace over eight acres on a hilltop overlooking LA. It has nine bedrooms. Okay, now we're down from 20 to nine. Uh, what are we doing here? Multiple kitchens and nightclub do you want a nightclub in your own home? I don't I don't even like to go to nightclubs. It just there's no point, right? You, you get in and it's already really late. And you're just looking at your watch, like the president just looking at your watch going, oh, I got stuff to do. Gotta I, I got to do stuff. And uh, if you got a nightclub in your own home, you always got those stragglers who get too drunk, and they just want to stick around and see what goes on. And do you really want that in your own home? I don't. No. It's got a four-lane bowling alley, a salon, gym. We're just talking about stuff we already went through. Here's here's one. It's got a running track. I'm down with that. You put a running track in, I'm okay with that. Am I going to pay extra for that? No, but I'll take it as a feature. Thank you. Put in a big gym. Put in a big indoor outdoor gym. I'd be okay with that. But again, another feature nobody else cares about because if you're not into working out, it makes no difference to you. In fact, it's a liability like a swimming pool in the Northwest. You can only use it a handful of days out of the year because otherwise it's just too cold. You want to go sit outside even though it's sunny, it's cold? Probably not. So, you know, in the indoor-outdoor gym requires a lot of maintenance on the equipment, right? Most people don't want that. Most people in the Pacific Northwest don't want a swimming pool because you can only use it a handful of days. expensive to maintain. It's seven water features include multiple pools, a jacuzzi, and a moat that surrounds the house. You're on the top of a mountain and you got a moat going around. Does it have the grotto though, like the Playboy Mansion? I mean, that I think is the question everybody's asking. Because that grotto, some stories out of Hugh Hefner's grotto, right? (sighs) Just if those walls could talk. The master bedroom suite is 4,000 square feet. Uh, This is one of the reasons I wanted to read this. Let's talk about that. A 4,000 square foot master bedroom. How excessive is that? You can, you, you can only sleep in one bed throughout the night, right? I mean, that's the goal is to go to sleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed in the next morning. You're not going to hop on a whole bunch of different beds in your 4,000 square foot, you know, master suite. All right. So you got really big walk-in closets, all right? There's a few hundred square feet there. And you, you say you got a thousand square foot master suite. That's enormous. That's the size of a lot of three bedroom, one bath homes, right? It's even bigger. Um, but then you add an additional 3000 square feet onto that. What are you going to put in there? What what do you, oh, you got a kitchen. All right. Nice job. On top of the other three kitchens you have in the house. All right. Yep. Who's going to cook there and clean? And are we, we got to clean the counters in this kitchen or should we just use the other one that, you know, they, they, they maintain better. I mean, what are we doing here? Every, so 4,000 square foot master bedroom. What are you going to have in there? That's furniture? Are you gonna, Hey, we need to go sit in that chair because we haven't sat in that chair for like, let's look at our schedule. Oh, it, it's, it's been like three months since we sat in that chair. We need to go do that. These kind of homes, they just they're not designed for living. They're designed for show. And if you didn't build it yourself, you're not going to take the same pride and you're probably not going to buy it. Every door in the house is electric. All right. Okay. Cause you don't wanna you don't wanna manually open up anything. Along with all the toilets, electric. All right. Can you just see the maintenance on this? How many wire how many miles of wiring does this thing have? A lot. Niami had planned a jellyfish room and ice bar, but both proved too costly as he was borrowing eighty-two and a half million dollars at the tail end before he went under. And he had to to cut some corners. Yeah, You know, jellyfish room, it goes. There's a lot of people out there with a lot of money. They want something no one else can, Niami told CNBC in 2017. This is it. Yet the one was one of dozens of spec mansions that rose up from the hills of Bel Bel Air and Beverly Hills after 2014 when fashion magnate Bruce Makowski sold a spec mansion in Beverly Hills for $70 million dollars. Who was that? And kicked off a new California real estate gold rush. Um, You ever watch Jeff Lewis of, what was that show called? Uh, He had the Hispanic housekeeper who was really good. Um, He adopted a kid with his husband, I think it was. He had uh, Jenny, his sidekick, who was kind of a rapper-ish. I think she was like, I think they're both like my age. I think they're like 50 now. But that was an interesting show from the standpoint of he went from building custom homes to when the Great Recession hit. He, uh, no, he's building upper end spec homes. I I did watch a lot of that. That was interesting back when I, uh, you know, was still kind of taking in some of the real estate stuff. And then he transitioned into custom home building in order to get through the Great Recession. Then he's been back into spec building. Um, Interesting show. But some of, the, some of the clients they worked with, uh, they worked with the guy from Styx. That was pretty cool. Um, and some of their other more famous people that they worked with, they, they did some commercial stuff as well. He's a really talented um, designer and builder and contractor. I mean, he's, he's got some personality things going on that make him a little unique. But, um, talented, talented guy and he's, you know, he's good for TV because it's such a train wreck watching this show. You know, I'm just yelling at people and, you know, just absolutely trouncing on some of his interns and, you know, it's made for TV stuff. But I, I watched a lot of that and you looked at homes and spec mansions for $70 million, not that uncommon. I mean, now... It's like, oh, okay, there's a market for this. Let's do this. It just kind of shows you the wealth that's in California, especially like an LA environment. So many LA mega homes, including several built by Niami, wound up selling for far less than their asking prices. Interesting, isn't it? And when you look at the history in the MLS on a lot of these upper-end homes, you're like, oh, hey, price drop, price drop, price drop. Even as prices were falling, Nyami was loading up on debt to finish and promote the one. Over the past four years, since 2017, when it was said to be almost ready to be put on the market, Niami and his related LLC, Crest Lloyd, have borrowed more than $165 million to build and sell the one, according to property documents. The largest lender is Henke Capital, founded by Los Angeles billionaire Don Hankey, which has over $115 million in loans on the property. Yogi Securities Holdings, led by doctor-turned-real-estate-investor Joseph Englinoff, has loaned the one over $36 million, two other entities, Inferno Realty, Inferno Realty. That's a good name. That's a solid name. Inferno Realty. And Maybach Corporate uh, Corporation Holdings have provided loans of 7 million each. So you got 14, 36 and 115. Those are some that's some debt out there. That is rolling the dice on a big debt project. Uh, No, that's the bottom line here. All my real estate background just kind of says no, 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 and no. That's a risk that you don't want to take. There is even if you get uh, half that, two hundred and fifty million, you're already in a hundred and whatever, sixty-five million eh, after costs and everything. Is this worth the risk? I'm going to have to say no because the one is taking down its developer, right? So one also has a million dollars in unpaid taxes and debts from concrete, air conditioning, and tool companies. They have filed liens on the property because they are not getting paid, and only a million bucks. That's that seems that seems small for a property this size to only have a million bucks in unpaid taxes and debt and, and liens on it. There's probably some more liens coming, isn't there? Hankey served Niami with a notice of default in March. In July, the Los Angeles County Superior Court ordered the property be placed into receivership and named Ted Lanes of Lanes Management as the receiver. Under a receivership, a property that's defaulted is turned over to a court-appointed receiver who prepares the property for sale. In complex or large real estate projects, receiverships are often preferable to a foreclosure where the lender or bank seizes the property. So that's that's why we didn't do a foreclosure on this. Basically, just the lenders are taking it back and they ask the court, hey, can you assign a receivership? And we've got... Uh, who do we have in here? The management company, Ted Lanes of Lanes Management. He's going to step in and get this, this thing sold. Now, he does not have a financial interest. He has just paid a fee to manage the thing and get it through to when it's sold. Once he gets the property, the permit, the proper permits and certificate of occupancy for the one, it will be listed, Lane said. The price and timing have yet to be determined, he said. All right. So the proper permits, that means the thing isn't finished he's got some work still left to be done. Do you think at the tail end, they probably tried to cut some corners? "Eh, We need to pull a permit for that. (laughs) No, this thing is so big, nobody will ever figure this out. What a mess, right? I have no idea if any of that's true. But that's typically how a lot of this stuff goes, right? What I would love to see happen is that the house gets completed, the certificate of occupancy is awarded. And we have an orderly sale that maximizes the value All right, that's what any receiver would like to see. Probably not going to go that way. That's ideal. That's in an ideal world. That's how things would go. But life often doesn't follow that pattern. Hopefully there will be sufficient proceeds from the sale to fund the secured and unsecured creditors and for the equity to realize some value. All right, so he's basically saying, God, I hope this sells for enough to cover all the debt that's out there. And somebody can make a little money. That's literally what he's saying. Starts off the sentence with hopefully. That means he knows there's a high probability. This will not sell for what it needs to sell to cover the 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 debt. Not good. Not good. So we went from 500 million to half, I want to say 250. Because You've got to have close to $200, 200 million in debt when you're all said and done here, right? Let's just round up. That doesn't leave a lot of margin. That doesn't leave a lot. After closing costs, excise tax, commissions, all that good stuff, paying the people back on the liens, paying county or whomever the taxes are owed to, oof. People want to get paid. Niami has been marketing the one for years with interviews and photos in the media and a special video tour in April with YouTube personality, Michael Blakely, who touted the $500 million property as the biggest and most expensive house in the world. What they didn't tout it as most marketable, because it's not, it's probably one of the least marketable properties in the world. That's what should be said. But you know. Real estate guys, they're always going to go with the biggest and most expensive. Niami also talked about plans to turn the home into a media stage and commercial venture, using it to host a potential Netflix show, events, and startup companies. Niami put his West Hollywood home in bankruptcy last year and a spec mansion in Beverly Hills. Those are the ones we just talked about in that other article. Mm, Bankruptcy. This isn't going in the right direction. And uh, in a spec home and a mansion in Beverly Hills, which he had marketed for $100 million, wound up selling for $38 million to Ingolnoff, who was one of the lenders on the California property. So lenders oftentimes will take something back at a big discount, hoping they can make a little money because they've already tied up their money in the project. They want to get whole. And if they see some potential to maybe make a little bit of money, yeah, they might take the property back and say, all right, I'll take it. But here's the price. You're going to get out of this deal. You're going to be able to move on to covering your butt on the one. Yami had a listing agreement for the one with LA brokers, Aaron Kerman of Compass and Rainey and Brandon Williams of the Williams and Williams Estates Group. Lane said the plan under the listing agreement had been to market the property for $288 million, but the ultimate listing price has not been set. See these numbers, they're arbitrary and they're just all over the board as these properties are. It's unclear whether the property will sell at a high enough price to pay all the debt. The most expensive home ever sold in LA was the former Warner Estate in Beverly Hills sold last year to Jeff Bezos for $165 million. While the real estate market in Los Angeles has rebounded after COVID, especially at the high end, the one may prove difficult to sell at the asking price. Because it's over $100 million over the next most expensive property ever sold. All right, let's just roll the dice on this. Maybe this will work out. Yeah, it's $120 million over the most expensive home ever sold in the United States. But, you know, we have a lot of faith and we really believe that this can be done. Plus, it only takes one buyer, one buyer, one seller. Deal done. It's not an easy property to price, Lane said. It's truly unique, meaning it's going to be priced too high. They're going to have to bring it down. You have to cut it, cut it, cut it until they finally get it sold. That's that's reality. All right. So we've kind of beaten this one to death. How long do you think it'll take to sell this thing? A couple of years? Three years? Sometimes you'll see these things sit on the market forever. And then they just become that albatross of, remember when that guy called this thing the one? It's the one that will not sell. That's what we should call it. So we need to track this story and figure out how much... The Final sales price will be. I'm going to throw out 125 million. That's what I'm going to say, and I'm going to say it takes three years to sell. Three years, 125. I don't know. I'm just I'm literally pulling that on my rear end. Um, so, yep. Yeah, there, there's there's my estimation of market value for this home. 125, three years to sell. Hmm. We'll have to see. The beauty is, I'll follow up for you on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast with this important information because I know you want to know these details. All right. Thanks so much for being with me. This was this one was kind of a fun one for me because it's just so ridiculous, right? Nobody needs a home like that. If you do, maybe you should check your ego and, you know, bunch it down a little bit because that ego got away from the owner of the one. All right. Thanks for being here. We'll catch up soon. Until then next time. See you soon. Bye for now.